This is The God Show, a conversation about the human spirit, with your host, Pat McNair. Thank you so much, because, see, you really have it. It's not about religion. It's about the human spirit. It's about what makes us all tick spiritually. And for 19 years now, uh, we have been talking to you. You folks who listen in as regularly as you do, or you who just discovered us on the Star Worldwide Networks, you know that I, Pat McMahon, introduce you almost always to a topic or a subject, and then I tell you who it is that we have on as a guest that we consider to be authoritative on that subject. This is going to be a little different because... We are going to be talking about religion. Most of the time we don't talk about about mainstream uh, denominations because who really cares what the Methodists do on Sunday as opposed to the Presbyterians or the Catholics? No, usually you pretty much know what's going on in church or temple, the synagogue, the mosque. But how much do you know about Jainism? What? What did you say? Jainism. And I am asking those of you who, like me, are not even that familiar with the word, or in my case, I wasn't that familiar until it was brought to my attention that we have a number of Jains in the United States, and here in Phoenix, Arizona, where this broadcast originates. And one of them is Piyush Shah. And he's here as a representative of Jainism, thanks to the good folks at the Interfaith Organization you're a part of. Yes. Thank you, Pat, for this opportunity. And if I may call you Piyush? Yes. Uh, just a little background on you personally. You were born in? India, Calcutta, India. Grew up in Mumbai, studied in Delhi, and came here to do my master's in chemical engineering. Aha. Uh-huh. And you decided to stick around? And I decided to stick around only for a few years to, make, then, so, to make enough money and go back, but it didn't happen. And then you found out. Yes. There was one day in the future when you might be invited to be a guest on The God Show. Yes. And that was reason enough. That's the reason. To change your plans. <laughs> All right. We talked about Jainism. We talked about your background. But I would love to know, and I know the audience wants to know, there's so many folks like me either had or still have very little understanding of this religion that is one of the oldest in the world? Yes. We believe it has existed from time millennium. So it's one of the oldest religion as far as we know. Dating back at least historically, according to Chronicles. According to the historian, at least they can trace it back to 900 BC. And your concept of God? My con- our concept of God is that we do not believe in creator God. We do believe that each individual 
can develop a God-like status if they follow the path and attain the Godhood. So we do believe in God, but not in the Creator God. So, all right, but whatever the equivalent is in Jainism of Genesis, what is it that is the beginning? So we believe that the universe has no beginning and no end, and hence we do not believe that any creator created this universe. Do you have prophets? We have what we call Tirthankaras, that you may call them as prophets, but they are not prophets. Tirthankaras are those who have liberated from the cycles of life and death and attained a a status where the soul, we believe in soul, the soul doesn't have to come back into a body form. But what they did was, they told us how to attain the same godhood, and that's why we worship them, and we call them Tirthankaras. So that would be the equivalent of Christian salvation? We, we would have attained that level of, do you call it enlightenment? Enlightenment and... Which would be a Buddhist term. Similar to Buddhism, and we do attain enlightenment first in the human form or in other forms, but the ultimate goal is to be liberation, which is free of body form. And you no longer then have to return. You don't have to return. You stay in the blissful state of your soul's innate quality of blissfulness, and that is the ultimate goal for us, to be liberated from this cycle of life and death. And the blissful, the blissful state of perpetuity, of infinite existence, if you will, we call heaven. So, we do believe in heaven, but heaven is only one of the stops along the way. We do not believe that heaven is the ultimate goal that we want to acquire. Oh, tell me more. So what we believe is that as you live this life, let's say I'm living this human life, depending on what I do in this life will determine my next life. Now, I have four choices open up depending on what I do. The four choices are I can be born in my next life in heaven or hell or as a human being again or as an animal life or plant life. Oh, So if I do good deeds, then I'll be born as a human or in heaven. Or if I do bad deeds, then I'll be born in hell or as an animal life. Now, once my lifespan is over in that next life, what I did in that life or what I will do in that life will determine my next life. But as I said, my ultimate goal is to be not in this one of the four possibilities, but to be free of body which can only be attained and not uh, and come back as a body form. All right, then is there, is there a reasonable tie to Hindu faith in that if you come back in animal form, it could be a Brahma cattle yes. and their reverence for that specific kind of animal? It, it depends on, you can be born in any one of the cattle or cow, for example, which is a very sacred animal in Hinduism, uh, or you could be born as lion or tiger or even a tree. So depending on what you do in this life will determine my next life. But again, it means I have to acquire a body. 
whether I go to heaven or hell or human or plant or animal life, I'm acquiring a body based on my karmas or based on what I do. So you reap what you sow principle, but extend it to from life to life. Tell me in Jainism what hell is like. Is it Montana in the middle of January or is it just New Jersey anytime? It is, What's it like? It is worse than that. <laughs> it, I can't even imagine. It, they, have, they have described the hell, and if I describe it here, it will take me an hour, but the message is don't do anything, avoid going to hell. Okay, so there are elements of pain and agony. Of course. Fire, yes. brimstone, that kind Everything. of... Everything. Oh. Hot, cold, dark. Then there are special so-called, uh, I would not call angels, but special who will go and beat you up. They will cut you up. I mean, it's like all kind of pain and agony. Oh, no. You guys really have figured out this hell thing. <laughs> you certainly don't, you don't encourage that. No. But, all right. See, I, reincarnation, reincarnation in any form fascinates me. And also because it means that I'm not gone forever. I may come back yes. as a something. Yes. But in Jainism, do you know what you're going to come back as? As I said, it all depends on what I do in this life. If I live a very peaceful life, if, if I live a very good life where I've done a lot of good deeds, then my two possibilities are I'll be, re I'll be born in heaven or where the, the heaven is where you, all your materialistic desires get fulfilled. But it's still not the salvation that we are looking for. And, or you can be born as a human where the chance of salvation, the only place where you are liberated is when you are born as a human. So but is, that, is that, excuse me for interrupting, yes. but I'm so fascinated by this. Um, the qualities of reincarnation when I ask you about knowing what you're going to come back as, do you have any notice at all? Or is it something like, oh, wait a minute, hold it. Look at me. I'm a monkey. Yeah. Do so, you just discover that? So you, what happens is, it's like your bank account. When you do good deeds, it goes into your credit. And let's say when you do something bad, yes. it, it, it goes into a negative so you're losing money, let's say. So at the end of the, your life, it all depends on what your balance is. So depending on the balance, you are born as heaven, hell, or a human being, or plant or animal life. If you're a human being, are you aware of your previous incarnations? Very few people have the ability to know their previous lives. There are people who have known their previous lives for example, uh, you have heard about Gandhiji, right? Gandhiji's spiritual advisor was a Jain, and his name was Srimad Ratchandraji. I never knew that. And he was contemporary of Gandhiji. And he had known his past 700 lives. So very few people do know, but I do not know it. I, I'm just, I'm trying to conceive the idea of those infinite layers of existence. But if it's like my bank account, I'm going to hell anyway. <laughs> you know, so I know automatically I'm going to be punished. Tell me the name Jane. Where does that come from? So Jane came from the word of Jinnah. 
J-A-I-N. Came from word Jina, J-I-N-A. Jina means victor, victorious. So you will say, okay, uh, Jain religion believes in non-violence and you are talking about the whole Jainism came from the word victorious. What we are talking about is those victorious who have conquered their inner enemies. Not outside land, not outside uh, um, people, not outside wealth, but only they have conquered the inner enemies. So who are those inner enemies? They are your uh, anger, pride, deceit and greed. So Jinnah is one who has claimed complete victory over their inner enemies and those who follow the path they have shown are called Jains. And then Jainism is the religion that's followed. Is it more similar to Buddhism or Hinduism? It is similar in many respects to both religions. However, there are unique aspects of Jainism which is not found in either Buddhism or Hinduism. You have to understand all three religions came from India. So there is a lot of similarities. But Jainism is a distinct religion from Hinduism as well as Buddhism. Is it a derivative of either? No. That is one of the myths that some people, or misconceptions some people have is that Jainism is a derivative of Hinduism, but it is not. It is a distinct religion. You know, uh, Piyush Shah is our guest. P-I-Y-U-S-H. Should you want to drop uh, Mr. Shah's name, uh, should you go to any of the major capitals of India, I'm sure that you'll be accepted with great enthusiasm. <laughs> Piyush Shah, uh, who is here as a representative of Jainism, J-A-I-N-I-S-M. As I was reading about the practices now and in the many centuries before, I was struck with the extremes of personal sacrifice that, that some representatives, I have no idea whether they are, uh, they are representative of the majority, but some people who have made personal sacrifice to the degree that they starve themselves to death. Yes. So let me explain that. Please. Um, first of all, the religion is made up of four folds, uh, four groups in, in the religion. So we have, um, we have monks, which is males, nuns, females, male householders, and female householders. So those are four fold made up of the Jain congregation. The monks and nuns, they follow the complete or I would say total uh, five vows of non-violence, truthfulness, non-stealing, chastity, and non-possessiveness. And those are absolute. Those are absolute. So they will, you will find them, they will use, uh, they will only walk from one city to another city. They will not use planes, cars, because their focus is to protect all types of lives. So when they are walking, they'll walk three feet down and make sure that they don't step on any life. So they follow this totally. Householders, they follow these five vows, but partially, because when you're living in a worldly life, there is violence, there is killing. 
And now one of my friends gave me a really good quote, which kind of describes us householders very well. He says, living is killing, but best living is least killing. So I'll give you an example that um, uh, let's say I'm taking a shower and I'm taking 20 minutes shower. I'm committing killing in terms of water usage and all that. And if I reduce that to 15 minutes, now I am practicing a little more nonviolence in my life. So now going back to the death, what happens is, and this is in the olden times, and it's practiced, but it is practiced rare now. What happened is when a monk or a nun is at the last stage of the life, then what happens is when there is no other option, they take the permission of their guru or their spiritual leader. And there are specific guidance, specific rules. If the guru feels that he or she is ready and there is no other alternative, what happens is at that point, he gives them the wow. The, the spiritual leader or their spiritual leader gives them a wow of what we call salekna, meaning fasting until death. And at that point, they stop taking any food or even water and they die. But that is done under very specific conditions and only when your spiritual leader is approving. I cannot decide on my own that, okay, I'll, I'm in so much pain from cancer, let me just die and, and, uh, or commit a suicide. No, suicide is not allowed in, in, in Jainism because they believe that your human life is so precious that you should not take your human life on your own. To the degree that there are those who carry a broom yes. with them. I say now those. I don't know whether these are members of the religious or members of the congregation or if it's a choice that individuals make. But they carry a broom with them. Explain to our audience the purpose of the broom. So as I told you, the fourfold, so uh, monks and nuns, they carry the broom. The idea is that when they, let's say they are walking and then they are going to sit down. But before they sit down, that area of the space where they're going to sit down, they're going to check with the broom to ensure that there is no ants or no small insects uh, there so that they don't want to kill even one ant. And so they use the broom to shoo away any, any uh, small insect or ant and not kill them. Is all life equal in the eyes of the faithful member of Jainism? Very good question. And what we believe, and I'll tell you, the answer is yes. And I'll tell you why. What we believe is that Ant has a soul, just like me. And his soul is same as my soul. His soul has the potential to be liberated too, just like I have the potential to be liberated too. So from a, our standpoint, his soul, and soul, or scorpion soul, is the same as what I have. And that's why I'll tell you, I share with you my personal story that in our house, we live in a neighborhood where we get, used to get at least a lot of scorpions. And what we would do is we would collect them in the jar and we take them out in the field and release them. So we have probably removed, I would say, 600 plus scorpions, not kill them. 
Well, there are moments during the God Show when I suppose probably the appropriate theological term would be revelation. I'm going to reveal that I have done exactly the same thing, except when I have accidentally stepped on a scorpion, and the scorpion chose to let me know that this was not with his permission. (laughs) Yes, Uh, but I'm glad to hear that. Well, it's just, we have this peculiar thing. I say we. I was talking to somebody just the other day about the fact that many of us tend to have a different attitude toward animals that we consider to be pretty and animals that we consider to be ugly. Have you noticed? Yes. That there is, we, we make excuses if we kill or harm or hunt the ugly animals yes. because we don't care about them. Yes. They deserve to be killed. But in the beautiful animals, the fawns, yes. the, the lovely birds of the sky, yes. right, which makes no sense at all. Right. They're all animals. Yes. And that's what we believe, that every animal has a soul just like us. Except that scorpion that bit me. <laughs> uh, and I'm still holding a grudge. I just, I just find that to be one of those elements of your faith that's very, very attractive. Obviously, you don't believe in hunting. Of course not. What do you say, though, to hunters to whom you're introduced? Obviously, one thing, one aspect of Jainism is we never preach our religion to others. And so we... There is a God. (laughs) So what we believe is that if there is a conversation, and if he asks me my opinion, I'll give you my opinion about hunting. But I'm not going to tell you not to hunt. You won't tell him that he's an evil person? I'm not going to say that. (laughs) Oh, the whole concept, though, of maintaining that balance with all of life, uh, including microbial, right? Yes, yes. How do you do that? It is difficult. What eggs, for example... I have to eat something, so I eat plant life. Now, you'll say, hey, you are saying one thing about violence, nonviolence, and now you're eating plant life, and you're killing plant, which is true. But what we believe is that to sustain ourselves, we have to eat something. Why not eat something that is at a lower form of life, and plant is at the lower form of life than an animal, which has more senses. Plant has one sense. So the pain level is much lower than, say, a cow or a pig mm-hmm. or, or, or something else, seafood, whatever you're eating. So that is a higher form. So that's why all giants are born vegetarian, vegetarians. So we, are, we have a vegetarian lifestyle. Now, you'll see some variation. Um, some will be not eating the root vegetables, for example, potatoes, onion, garlic, because we believe that that has a potential for more life in that uh, form, root mm-hmm. vegetables. And again, when you pull the root out, there is a lot of violence involved. So there's a lot of killing involved. So some of them, I'm not saying all Jains follow this, but some Jains do not eat root, root vegetables. Some Jains also believe that the milk production involves a lot of violence. So they are vegan. 
but again i'm not saying all jains are vegan yes. but there is a variation but one line that separates jains from anything that you will not find uh, violated is the non vegetarianism they will not cross that line of of uh, of non vegetarianism which is meat seafood and even eggs let's let's talk about the black and white of non violence 10 commandments thou shalt not kill but obviously there's an exception if you're sent to war what if you're a jain so it's very interesting jains you will find them and traditionally they have been businessmen part of the reason is that they don't want to be a farmer where in farming there's a lot of uh, violence involved there also you will find very few jains i don't know there may be some but very few jains in the armed forces or in the defense forces it's precisely because of this reason if you become a, a member of armed force or a navy or you have to follow the rule and then you have to kill someone so as a jain if you take that occupation you will have to follow what government is expected you to do what if you're in israel or a country that demands service then you have to follow the country laws but you know in your heart that i am going to pay for any killing i will do there is no excuse or no no say uh, say i, I uh, because i've joined because my country demands it mm-hmm. so can you please excuse me for uh, this killing no if you kill someone you have to pay the consequence can you be a conscientious objector You can, can you just simply list yourself as being so opposed you should to violence you should i would imagine that yes. many jains at least in america uh, will mark themselves off as conscientious objectors if if the government allows it they will do that first if the government doesn't allow it then they don't have a choice you understand please piyush i i'm not trying to narrow the possibilities of conversation here yes. when it comes to understanding yes the beliefs of jainism and i'm certainly not trying to trap you i'm trying to understand yes if there are any spiritually accepted exceptions you told me with the military you have a family someone breaks into your home what are you allowed to do to prevent that So the the answer is very clear you should not commit any violence if you have now i will take a if i will take an option saying that because i want to protect my family and i want to fight against this intruder i will have to pay the consequences of any violence i display to the other person it is Say very that clear. again meaning if an intruder uh, comes to my house let's say and i want to protect my family and as a jain i hurt him i will have to pay the consequences of that violence in spite of the fact that he's assaulting yes. your family yes i have to pay now the consequence may be that it may be not be as bad as my intention to kill someone just out of fun so there are two levels sure. so the intention does matter and i might get a less payment to pay for that violence because i was doing it say for example uh, not really mean to hurt him but to protect my family but i still have to pay a price for that violence there is no escaping if you commit violence you have to pay 
So instead of going to hell, you become a talk show host. There's, <laughs> there's always those areas, right, of payment. Yes. Uh, okay, I'm going to ask you another moral yes. issue, a moral, uh, a moral question that has troubled humanity since there's been a government of laws, anyway. Abortion. Uh, it is such a dramatic and passionate subject. On this hand, it's absolute pro-life. In this area, it's pro-choice, which is kind of pro-life, except for exceptions. And the exceptions are sometimes in the most spiritually oriented person to save the life of the mother, to create a non-violent act. Payush, what do I do if I'm a Jane? First of all, you have to save both lives. Now you say that in order to save mother's life, the baby's life has to be sacrificed. Simple thing. If you are taking a child's life away, you are paying the consequence of that killing. It's as simple as that. So, of course, abortion is not allowed, not followed by Jainism. But even in the case of saving one's life, if you have to kill someone, mother will pay the price for that choice. Oh. Oh, now that's, now that's something I wasn't prepared for. Yes. So allow the mother to go in order to save the life of the child. That's what mother's choice should be, to save a life. Mm -hmm. And then mother attains another level of spiritual Charity. excellence, right? Yes, yes. What a fascinating philosophy that has been well thought out now for hundreds of years. and hundreds of years. By the way, why is one of your symbols the swastika? Interesting. So there is a misconception about swastika. Our swastika symbol has existed for thousands of years. Hitler decided to use swastika, and again, Hindus also use the swastika symbol. And basically, Hitler, what Hitler did was, he actually twisted the swastika and he kept it at a 45-degree angle. Ours, if you look at it, it's straight. Uh, and the purpose behind the swastika is, it has four corners, and four, every, everything in our religion has symbolism. So the four corners reminds us that depending on what you do in this life, you can be born in four possibilities. Heaven, hell, human being, or plant or animal life. So the four corners of swastika represents that symbolism. So you remind yourself saying your goal should be not to be part of this you know, four, but your goal should be to go beyond and be liberated. And with all of the horrible things that Hitler was responsible for, in addition, he stole the idea of the swastika. Yes. A Native American uh, tribes many times oh. use that as a symbol okay. of, of similar things to what you're talking about for Jainism. Right. Um, I find that uh, there is a depth to so many Eastern religions because they date back so far. Right. Do you at the same time as a Jain respect Christianity and Judaism? Yes. Those, and new, those are the new guys on the block. I'll tell you, the, one of the basic principles, I, 
I mean, if, if, uh, if you want to summarize uh, Jainism in three letters or three words, we have three A's. That's how we define Jainism. Three A's are, first one is Ahimsa. And we talked about, Ahimsa means non-violence. And non-violence, we talked about it in great detail. What non-violence means to us. It's non-violence to all living beings, not just human beings. It's non-violence, not only in action, but even in your thought. So if you think of violence in your head, according to Jain religion, you're committed as much, as bad a crime as if you actually you've done it. Really? Even thinking about violence uh, is giving you that same thing. So, uh, it, uh, so the concept of uh, ahimsa or non-violence is that extreme. Catholics have something called occasion of sin, that you perpetuate yes. the thought, the desire, the wish to do something negative to somebody, it's, even if you don't do it. Yes, that is you have committed, as if you have committed the violence. You didn't even know you were part Catholic. <laughs> Thanks for letting me know. <laughs> so the second A is Anekantvad. Anekantvad is multiplicity of viewpoint. What we believe is the absolute truth is multifaceted. It has multi-dimensions. So when a Catholic presents their viewpoint, they are presenting it from their viewpoint. So I have to respect that and, and say that, yes, you are right from your perspective. Similarly, a Buddhist may have present something else. So we, we accept all viewpoints as the partial truths, but not one viewpoint is, represents the complete truth. So we respect Catholicism or any other religion for that matter. Who is your enemy? Enemy is my inner enemies, my pride, my ego, my desires, my anger, my hatred. Those are my real enemies. Who is the enemy of Jainism? It seems that you could ask that, as I have, to representatives of the faiths of the world. And in almost every case, every one of them had one. It was Islam trying to wipe out the Hindus, and then the Islamic people would say, no, the Hindus are doing violence against us. The Baha'i, who would, who would harm the Baha'i? Yes. And yet there are areas of the world where they dare not live. Who is the enemy of Jainism? So during, during the um, uh, Islamic invasion, there was, a, there was a period in India when... Um, then Genghis Khan and few others, Mongols, they came to India and they were destroying Jain temples. They were forcibly uh, trying to convert uh, Jains into Islam uh, religion. And uh, they, uh, they killed a lot of Jains. So at that point, I think uh, Jains had a really tough time because Jains were, by definition, were not supposed to fight back. And so you're an invading army is coming and they're killing. And so that, there was a period of time where this was tough. And uh, what they did actually at that time was, because they were destroying giant temples, they removed all the idols, they, they buried under the ground and tried to preserve as much as we can. And once that phase was over, we were able to revive that. So there was a time when that happened. For the sake of our audience also, I, I really would like to kind of review one element of nonviolence. Because there's such complexity in the world that you inhabit as a Jain. And I'm, I'm wondering if 
there are exceptions to elements of innocent nonviolence. That's my term. Mm-hmm. All right. I have a car. And this is now. This is a true story. Where in the world are you going from talking to this spiritual man about his faith? Now you're talking about your car, Pat. Have you no taste? I have a car. And sitting in my driveway, I found out from a skilled mechanic that one of the problems that I'm having with my car is that a specific kind of rodent, not a rat, Mm -hmm. I don't even know that it's a mouse, but some kind of rodent, comes out of the nearby neighborhood and feasts on the wiring that I have under the hood. Are you familiar with that peculiarity? Yeah. I'd never heard of it before in my life. And I thought, well, you must be able to go to a better place than my car. (laughs) There must be tastier things, but not to that rodent. Right. I'm asking you now, not should I kill the rodent, Mm -hmm. What should I do to protect my car? So simple. I had the same situation when we built You're a, kidding me. We, no, I'm not. Not similar. Not the same, but I would say give you an, a similar example. When we built our temple, uh, and this was in 2008, and we have it here. on Here uh, in Phoenix. Phoenix, 23rd Avenue and, uh, and Southern and Baseline. Mm-hmm. We had one rat somehow entered the temple. And... And I tried to capture it, obviously can't, uh, like by hand. I said I was trying to move it because there's not too much to pl- too many places to hide in our temple. I couldn't. Then I kind of forgot about it. And then a month later, I found the rat again. And he was pretty much half in size. And I said, oh, shoot. Half this, or double? Half. Because there was no food in the temple. Oh, I see. Okay, so, all right. So he was not getting food. So, so the he's rat getting, was starving. He's starving. So I said, oh, no, I really need to catch this and take him out of the field so he can survive. Because I knew if he's going to continue like this, he might die of starvation. So I found, I did Amazon search, and I found a trap, which is like a green, so-called green trap, where it doesn't hurt the rat that much. Yes. And so I put the trap. And I was hoping that he goes into the trap with the food and attraction and everything. Lo behold, two days later, I see the rat in the trap. I was so excited. We took the trap out. We took out in the field, released him. But I was wondering, what was he getting food? Because we didn't have any food in the temple. Because we don't cook inside the temple or anything. What I found out was that we do a cotton swab. We do a worship. And we actually dip into ghee. I don't know if you know ghee, but ghee is like an oil. G-H-E-E. G-H-E-E, ghee. So what happened was that after, after the uh, worship is over, the flame dies. Because we light that uh, uh, cotton ball with the ghee and it dies. So then that's it. So what we would do is we would keep it there. And next day when we do again, we clean out and everything. What I found was that the rat at night was getting ghee from that cotton ball. We found a bunch of cotton balls stacked in one corner inside, hidden. And what he was able to get only food was that ghee, remaining ghee, and that's how he survived. 
but we finally got it off so you buy i'll give you the uh, uh, the trap that i got it's supposed to be no, environment friendly no that, no i i'm perfectly <laughs> happy with my own okay. with my own trap <laughs> i just keep thinking of the rat that dies in a spiritual place yes and goes to another level Th- that's true becomes an attorney <laughs> uh, and when and when you when you though think about the efforts that the Janes make at maintaining this absolute respect for life. And I, and I really wonder if those of you who are saying, well, come on, that's a, little, that's a little off the wall. That's a little extreme. I mean, for crying out loud, it was only a rat. But if you believe that every living thing has a soul, has a soul then I have no right to take that life away. Okay, now, is that soul? I'm really excited about this <laughs> because there's so many facets to this. Is that soul on the same level of soul purity, soul excellence? Is it the same uh, is it the same soul in the eyes of those who judge the soul as yours or a cow or uh, are all souls equal? all souls equal in that respect that each soul has a chance to be liberated every soul has a chance to be liberated so the potential is there now in the cow form the potential is reduced because they cannot do scriptural reading they cannot perform good deeds and so on and so forth in that form but the soul the which is in the cow form has the potential to get liberated so from that perspective the soul is equal in all living beings in the eyes of whomever it is in jainism that would make these kinds of judgment you don't really have you don't really have a clergy do you no we we do we do not have clergies we in in indian temples they do keep some called what we call pujari who will help in the worship and all but no so our concept is that it's a self maintaining system meaning that if i do something wrong i attract karmic particles and they get bond bounded to my soul now the karmic particles depending on good or bad they come to fruition when they come to fruition it may be in the form of let's say i got a virus it may be in the form of i got a fever mm. so it is a self maintaining system so it's not like somebody is out there judging and maintaining records of your credit your debit what's going on it is depending on what you do the karmic particles get attracted to your soul bound to the soul and as long as there is karmic particles you have a body to acquire as soon as all the karmic particles are gone then your soul is free and and next it goes into that liberated state but do i also attract positive karmic yes uh particles i uh I I uh, I bring a meal to the elderly woman yes. down the street. Yes. And you you will attract positive karmic particles which it seems like that you should not be doing any positive or negative because you'll attract karmic particles and karmic particles means bondage and bondage means new body. So you would say oh so what you're saying is that I should not be serving the homeless on the morning because yes. So our concept is very clear. If you are doing negative things, let's say 
you could have been in a uh, uh, playing playing in a casino and doing something I, or you may be doing uh, out hunting it's better to do serve the homeless than go to the hunting so first step is acquire as many good karmic particles as you can minimize the bad karmic particles and then you will reach a state where all the karmic particles will not be attracted so for example i'll give you an example of a car accident a car accident happens you have three choices the first choice is you start blaming the other guy he missed the red light he says are you blind can't you see why did you uh, miss the uh, miss the red light and you start being angry at him you are attracting negative particles because you are angry second thing is you will think oh my car is total but i am safe so you say that okay thank you at least i am safe and uh, my body is safe everything is safe the third approach so you acquire good particles because you are not angry at the other guy the third option is this was meant to happen i accept it next second you move forward not even think about the accident and not tell 100 colleagues that you were involved in a car accident and so on and so forth as if this accident was meant to happen happened you move forward and forget about it and there's no particles no particles with no with neutral approach and that's how slowly you get all the new no new particles and then slowly your old particles get rid of through penance and austerity and that's why austerity in parents is important and then you become free of karmic problems. if if the jains in their total adherence to jainism if the jains do not believe in a creationist all consuming universal god mm-hmm. then who's the one who's judging where we go what the particles are looking like how we're doing with my soul all of those value decisions who's doing that so as i said it's a system that is a self maintaining system now i'll give you a simple example mm-hmm. if you took poison by mistake Mm-hmm. will you die or not die let's say you took cyanide say i would die die right so now who determined that you would die you got the result of what you did it's a self maintaining system if you took poison instead of apple thinking this was a apple and you took a poison you die similarly the karmic particles will determine and the system will determine what's going to happen to you in the next life but if though then as a result of that and my karmic particles add up to mm-hmm. that in my next life i am a stalk of celery stalkers a, a celery i am vegetable how, i am yes. a okay. potato yes, yes. right right how can i do good things as a potato how can i make any positive difference in my life as a carrot good question what happens is that you you what happens is that your old karmic account has fruition at different times so what will happen is it will give its fruits once it gives fruit its effect is gone that karmic particle is removed from your system mm. now as a carrot okay 
you're not in a position to create a lot of negative things. So you're not attracting new particles. So over time and time and time, as your old particles go away, eventually you'll go into a higher form of life. And then you have a choice to make, do I do good things, bad things, or be neutral? So I go to Mass as a Catholic mm-hmm. on Sundays. Mm-hmm. Now, Mass is celebrated every day, virtually every hour of every day. But most people go to church mm-hmm. on Sunday, most Christians. Yes, yes. What about your service? Do you have one? When does it take place? And who's in charge? Yes. So we do have a Sunday worship and a Sunday school so where we teach our children the whole concept of Jainism so that the legacy goes on to the next generation and so on and so forth. So every Sunday we have, uh, in fact, there is worship every day done by volunteers. But on a Sunday, we get about a larger group and we uh, do the worship in the morning and then we go uh, one hour of classes and then we do group prayer and then we have lunch and then we disperse. So it's about, starts around 9.30, 10 o'clock and ends at around 1, 1.30. Is this at your temple? Yes, we do that. Mm-hmm. And do you have sacraments? When you say sacraments... All right, uh, in Christianity, generally speaking, in Christianity we talk about baptism, the entry into a religion, I'm now a part of the membership, or confirmation in another way, marriage, matrimony, uh, holy orders, uh, making you a, a, an official clerical representative of the church, those kinds of things. No, we, what we have is, it's a, it's a way of life for us, meaning that you come into the temple, do the worship. Now, the worship is not to solve your physical problems or money problems. The worship to God is that you created this path of liberation for me. So I'm coming here to thank you. And more importantly, I want to derive strength so I can be a little stronger person in following this path. But who is you? You said, I want to thank you. And we came to worship God, except there isn't one. As I said, there is a Tirthankara. So there are 24 Tirthankaras in li- this life cycle. Could you spell that for me? T as in Tom, I-R-T-H-A-N-K-A-R, Tirthankara, okay. uh-huh. R-A, Tirthankara. So they, they are liberated now. They are in the blissful state. But before they became the, in the, that blissful state, they taught us how to attain that path. Or they showed us the path. So there are 24 of them who have revived this religion mm. in the past millions of years. And last Tirthankara was Lord Mahavir, who was, as I, uh, was a contemporary of Buddha. Oh. And uh, uh, he, lived, he was born in 599 BC and he lived for 72 years. So he's a last Tirthankara who gave us the path and we are following the path of Lord Mahavira. So we are thanking those 24. So if you come to our temple... We have a uh, statue of all 24, and in the temple, in any Jain temple, there's always one who is considered the main. So we as a community... Decided how? Yes. So we as a community decide out of these 24, whom we want to keep one. And so what happened was, because we have two major sects, uh, and we we don't have time to go into that, but we have basically two main idols, and they are... 
almost 51 uh, inches tall mm-hmm. and those two are our main idols and we still have 24 smaller idols and we show that and we worship them for showing us the path to liberation do you have both of those statues representing the two different sects in your temple under one roof which is very unusual because usually in india either you have a temple dedicated to one sect or temple dedicated to other sect because in united states we are a smaller community the community decided to have both sects in fact all sects there are some other ones too under one roof and live peacefully even though there is a slight difference in the sect is it working yes no fist fights no fist fights so far yet you uh you seem to express sitting here now for almost an hour you seem to express and radiate a certain joy that that at least i interpret as being the joy of explaining and expressing your faith and living your faith is it a joyful religion it is a joyful religion although people think that it is a religion of suffering like when we do fasting i'll give you one example of fasting let's say i fast for one day the way it works is let's say tomorrow i'm going to fast so after sunset tonight i will not eat anything tomorrow uh, i won't eat anything except say water and then so tomorrow is a uh, wednesday right so thursday morning after sunrise 48 minutes after sunrise i can take food so pre- pretty much for 36 hours i am without food and people have done during our holy festivals they have remained they have done fasting for 8 days just on water living on water or even 30 days i have known people who have done fasting for 30 days but are they not then being violent to themselves no this body is it, what it is is if you think the real problem is our mind our mind is like a monkey it goes from one branch to another branch to the other branch and his mind is full of desires so it's a way to train your mind saying mind you are not going to control me i'm going to control you so that i don't get tempted with desires and all that so it's a training ground see when a soldier goes to the war before he goes to the war people the country doesn't send him to the war right away there is a training and in training you see that it's not easy training and you say oh that's not suffering no that is making you stronger so that you can fight a good war this is making us a good soldier so we can fight against our own inner enemies and be victorious at the end all right what kind of sacrifice should i prepare for if i want to become a jain you actually if you think about it don't have to do fasting or anything to start with there is only two things you can you should do one is live a life of discipline establish a certain do's and certain don'ts and follow that whatever your ethics is second is do introspection introspection means daily check are you a better person today than yesterday if not where did you miss and you say okay i was angry at say rosemary for example and i shouldn't have i should have been a little more kind to her and so you start a list or write down and say next day i'm going to be a better person so that's introspection 
finding your own faults, not blaming others for anything, but find where you could be a better person. So that's introspection. And third is you go within, and that is meditation. So then you start doing meditation. Start with five minutes of meditation. Then increase it to more, 10 minutes, one hour. I, I started with five minutes. Now I'm doing a daily one-hour meditation. So introspection, meditation, and live a life of do's and don'ts. They have no idea what you've done to my life by using Rosemary as an example <laughs> of, uh, of someone who, for the next several years probably, will remind me about how there is not a chance in the world that I could possibly avoid hell <laughs> in the world of Jainism if I don't treat her better. Piyush Shah, fascinating hour. Thank you so much. Remember, it's Jainism, J-A-I-N-I-S-M. There may be a temple near you. Be interesting, right, for you to find out more or just read a little. That's what I had to do in order to talk to this guest on The God Show. I, can I add one line? For everything, if I represented or misrepresented for anything wrong, I would like to ask for forgiveness. And Michami Dukram is what we say. I can't think of a better way to close. And we did. And we did. And we did. And we did. And 